In today's episode, I'm speaking with the amazing Matt Landau, and we're going to talk about comebacks, recoveries, and all things to do with creating a successful business after this pandemic. Let's go. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information, and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. It is May. We're into May. Whatever happened to February, March and April? Well, I think we all know that the world turned and not on its axis, which apparently was maybe is going to happen as well, but stuff happened and we are living through it. And if you didn't hear my recommendation last week to read The Obstacle is the Way, I'm still going through that book. So, I love it. Have a go. Just download it, read it, listen to it. I I think it's it's an amazing, positive and optimistic way of looking at this crisis and what we're going through. So I'm not going to do much of an introduction today, much of a ramble. You've heard enough from me about my rambles about the weather, etc, etc. I'm just going to launch straight in today to a discussion that I had uh, late last week with the great the wonderful, my best friend, my BFF, Matt Landau of the Vacation Rental Marketing blog, vrmb.com, The Inner Circle, and all the other wonderful stuff that Matt does. So without further ado, let's move on over to my talk with Matt. Hey, I am here today with Matt Landau, the indomitable Matt Landau. While we were uh, down a second on that bit of a Zoom glitch, I actually looked it up. <laughs> Indomitable. It's, it means not able to be tamed. Wow. <laughs> and I think, it, I think it describes you really, really well. Impossible to subdue or defeat. Well, I have grown my quarantine beard to look as indomitable. indomitable how do you pronounce it? <laughs> indomitable. Indomitable. I've I've grown my beard to look as indomitable as possible. Yes, the undefeated beard. <laughs> Excellent. So so you are a couple of hours from Baltimore, enjoying your lockdown. I'm still up here in Ontario, uh, still enjoying my lockdown. It does help actually to to sit on two acres with a river at the end of the garden, and the grass is actually going green now, and I'm getting plants in. I'm sort of lucky, I guess. And I think you've got a pretty large amount of space as well where you are. Yes, I'm I'm certainly fortunate as well. My parents bought a vacation home about a year ago and was not scheduled as quarantine headquarters, but that's what it turned out to be. I'm here. I've got my little space in the back above the garage. Uh, my brother and his fiance are here as are my both of my parents. So it's turned out to be a very fortunate place that we can all this very strange moment in time. That's fantastic. You've got family around you. 
Uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have grandchildren here, so uh, it's not just my husband and I getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> yeah, they're my... taking over your podcast studio, right? Oh, they are. They are. You know, I've got a little. I've got the the child bed down here. My laptop is sitting on some Scrabble. I have some. <laughs> some Scrabble. I have. What are these sitting on my little desk? little green monsters? Yes. Yes. Oh, look, it's a headband. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the ultimate display of work-life balance, right, Heather? <laughs> it is. It, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm loving it, actually. Uh, although I shouldn't say that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my view is, is that if you, ca- you can't beat it, so you may as well embrace it. Um, yeah. So today, today we're going to talk about a, a, a lot of things, but I know that you specifically want to... Talk through some of the things that you've been putting forward in the RMB recently, and particularly in your reset site, but you want to steer away a little from the philosophizing and motivation, which you're absolutely amazing at, um, but move towards a little bit more of um, actionable things that people can do and take away from this episode, from this discussion. Because I know we've chatted about all sorts of things, and sometimes it's more philosophical than actionable but we're going to veer back on track today. Yeah, I think this pandemic has really cornered a lot of owners and managers into action, into doing stuff. You can talk a good game, you can have a bold vision, but if you are not doing stuff with your hands right now, you're missing a huge opportunity. So yeah, I I love the focus on actionable items as opposed to strategy in this time of need. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, just jumping with what we're doing at the moment as a company, I'm having so, I've had more meetings this past five or six days than I have in months. And I'm meeting with website designers. We're meeting with software developers. And, you know, we're talking to a number of different software providers, sticking to yours and Terry's advice on only keeping to three or four and not going out and uh, demoing absolutely everything. And we've, we've, we're actually now down to two providers that we're talking to at the moment. So there's the website, there's the PMS. We are creating marketing strategies for the four quarter, what we call the four quarter strategy. So a complete strategy for spring, summer, fall, winter. So regardless of when this starts, we are going to hit the ground running in the right season and everything is going to be ready prepared. And we just click, push the button and off it goes. Beautiful. You are such a model in that sense. The, the property management software transition, you know, all too well is just so fun and easy, right? <laughs> it's, it's Now e- is a time. It's easier when you don't have any transactions already going on. So, so that's exactly. like, this is the time to do this. <laughs> the property management software companies, I mean, they could not have a better moment for managers to actually take a breather, uh, make that transition without trying to juggle a million balls at the same time. So that's a, a project that I've heard a lot of people working on. Pricing strategies. A lot of people have considered using a dynamic pricing tool, but of course, like any new tool, it takes a little bit of time to become fluent with that new tool. We have a fantastic uh, post on the reset uh, written by the team from Beyond Pricing 
of how to think about your new pricing strategy. Of course, they are a dynamic pricing tool, but the tips in the article can be implemented even manually if you choose, but structuring your pricing strategy moving forward is another nice use of the downtime. Yes, absolutely. I, and from the way we've been working for the last two months, we've got two major projects, which is the the software and the website. I think that you know we're taking on a lot, but we are actually not expecting to recover from this until j- summer 2021. So we've got a lot of time. So I, I, my recommendation is take on one major project and see that through before you start on the other. Would you agree with that one? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, just uh, last night, I was speaking with Megan McRae in Nashville, who I know you know quite well. And one of her, well, her single big project, uh, apart from all of her other things that she's always working on, her big one is a complete rebrand. She came up with a new name for her company, which is now called Southbound Stays. She has a gorgeous new logo and look and feel and color palette. This was done by a professional graphic designer. This now is being substituted for all of her old branding. So that's another one that's, it's almost like a complete makeover in the down season so that you're ready to come out strong when travelers are back. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a great one as a major project because there's so much involved in that. You know, it's not just sort of sticking a new logo on a website. And you get excited about it. I mean, it, for me, it reminds me of when I used to uh, get my new clothes for going back to school. Uh, over the course of the few weeks building up to school, I have all these new clothes and I have a new backpack or maybe a new lunchbox. And I'm just so excited about all of them. And it makes school fun again. Of course, then eventually, you know. <laughs> <laughs> eventually you come down to earth. You know, I'm, I'm thinking with our, with our move to, I mean, we're so excited about new software, a new website. I can't see me getting the sort of the actual, okay, now I'm back in school and I don't, <laughs> all the fun has gone. I think some of these projects are really the fun can be extended and extended. But uh, anyway, so pricing strategies, that's a, that's a fantastic to look at. Can we just go back to the newsletter? And I'll say last week, because by the time this is published, it will have been last week. And you said now's the time for offense rather than defensive decisions. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm seeing this just like everybody else's. We've gone through this massive slew of cancellations and refunds and we've got policies in place. And now we're, we're going, okay, that defensive action is done. Now are you saying this is the time for offense and you give a couple of topics or headings you've got, you've got craft, work-life balance and automation on there. I wonder if we can just do an overview of those and perhaps then come down into each one and and give some specific and practical examples. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think going into offense means building a vision for what this new future of travel looks like. And it's not to say that anybody's going to be flying around in cars anytime immediately soon. Uh, But what we have noticed is that there's a lot of gradual shifts that have been happening over time that are now accelerating to behavioral change because of the pandemic. So the several that we featured in this last week's Monday Morning Motivation craft is a general trend towards things that are specialized, things that are personal, things that use meaningful ingredients. Craft is the opposite of commodity or generic. The second one was work-life balance. Again, something that uh, is not necessarily new, 
but we're finding that small businesses that make enough of an income to support themselves and their family and are able to have the freedom in addition to their jobs to live a lifestyle that they really enjoy. That's a new rich in a lot of ways. And vacation rental professionals are in a perfect position to to capitalize on that. And third, automation, something that we hear thrown around a lot, but again, it has really been thrust into the spotlight. Uh, Now is a time to automate any task that is redundant or menial uh, that you're doing over and over again. And the rule being that this kind of automation should only be used if it makes the experience better for both you, the owner, manager, and the recipient, whether it's your employee or your guest. And if it's not achieving both of those things at the same time, the automation should probably be skipped. Just kind of a prism to look through in choosing what to automate and what to do manually. That, that, that's a great overview. I, I think let's let's just go back um maybe i should have started with this you've um you've you've made your point of view pretty well known about where you think airbnb might be going because i think at the end of this we're going to see a, a, such a completely different landscape in terms of of where we lie as independent property managers and hosts uh, than than where we were in relation to the otas 6 months ago so all this, this offensive action is all about getting that preparation in place. Yeah, preparing for, for that time that we don't know yet. We, it's, it's that whole thing about we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, and I think the best way of summarizing it is that we have an accountability crisis. The CEOs of major listing sites, when really forced to choose whose backs do they have, they chose travelers. And there may be plenty of justifications for that. Uh, But as a host, it becomes clear very quickly that they are not going to save you. Uh, We've talked about listing site independence now for the better part of a decade. And really at the very core, it's taking control of your marketing and diversifying so that you're not too dependent on any one company, in this case an OTA or organization in general. You need to be in control. You need to be solving those problems yourself. And that's a scary thing. I don't want to breeze over this at all. It is a scary thing. It is a difficult thing. It takes time. But the folks that I've spoken with who have gone about building something of an independent marketing portfolio, and by the way, that can include those listing sites, they're in a position right now, they're much better position to to come out of this versus those. I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about Airbnb hosts uh, who, you know, had gigantic loans mm-hmm. or mortgages out who, upon pulling the plug of that Airbnb uh, income stream, the bookings, they're pretty much out of luck. I think one of the person said, we made a deal with the devil. (laughs) So I I do think that viewing our businesses as sustainable entities, this is the great test right now. Who built something that will last versus who built something that was less sustainable, that Hmm. was fragile. Yeah. And something I mentioned, you know, long, long time ago, and have it's been on my mind for a long time as this whole rental arbitrage 
thing came about and master leasing and people buying up hundreds of leases and the, the, the get rich quick schemes that sadly, you know, that there is a hu- huge human consequence to, to this, not just the people that were, that were, were taking on the, the debt. It was the, all, all the ancillary people that were involved as well, the cleaners and the caretakers and et cetera. Yeah. I, I have never liked that get rich quick narrative. I think it reads a kind of shortcut mentality. Let's just do whatever we can as quickly as possible to generate the dollar. Uh, and on the opposite side of that spectrum is those who are building a long-term business plan, mm-hmm. something that is going to outlast maybe even themselves. And that is just much more grounded and sustainable way of building your business up. And like we're finding in this completely unexpected uh, catastrophe, the people who are doing it the right way slowly all along can continue back up when travelers are ready again. And perhaps those who were taking the shortcuts are in major trouble. Yeah. And this brings me back neatly to craft because those who are, I think, going to survive this are the ones who are take, you know, have, have seen it as a craft and they are working on that right now. And you said in that newsletter, like, like craft beer or craft clothing, practicing craft hospitality means specializing and obsessing over personal touches. This is something that, that only a certain sector of people actually do. It's not something you can commoditize. You can, you can do at massive scale over a very short period of time. So let's, let's just talk about some practical things that those of us who are working on our crafts can actually do. Yeah. And this kind of includes one of my favorite um, concepts, the theory of limited edition, which is doing activities that do not scale or perhaps more accurately, activities that scale only on your terms. And as business owners who are taught to scale things up and generate huge profits, this is flies completely in the face of all of that. But a perfect example is a handwritten letter. This is, I think, the ultimate self-challenge to a lot of listeners, right? A lot of us know the things that we should be doing. Handwritten letters being a perfect example and down in the lull, why not write a handwritten note to all of your former guests who have stayed with you before and simply asks how they're doing. There's a wonderful example from Bob Gardner, who's talked about including a small gift with that note. Bob is in Italy, especially hit hard by the pandemic. Uh, and Bob is talking about sending little bottles of olive oil to his former guests to remind them that they will still be there after the crisis. Again, a handwritten note takes 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, uh, costs maybe 50 cents or a dollar. It's just something that most of us don't do. And it's really challenging us to ask ourselves, okay, if we know this is a best practice, it's not cost prohibitive at all. And if it really does have the power to keep that relationship with our former guests so that when we are ready to open, we have a flood of, of people lined up to stay again. If all of those things are true, and yet we're not sitting down and taking 20 minutes to write those notes, it's kind of hypocritical. And I'm guilty of that as charged. There will be times when I sit down to write my handwritten notes for a couple of days, or in some cases, a week or two at a time. And then I just forget or put it on the back burner because I get lazy 
But this is a, the ultimate sort of discipline practice for me that no big company does. You would never receive a handwritten note from a large corporation. And yet here we are, the smallest, most bespoke of hospitality operators, and a lot of us put this off. So that for me is a perfect example of craft, a human that is sitting down with their precious time to simply ask you how you're doing and remind you that you're, they're still around when the pandemic mix over. I'd like to offer up an example actually from, from, from a company that's doing this at scale, a larger company that is doing something that I th- consider to be really personal. And I, I believe she's got around near, nearly 60 properties and that's Sharon Mitchie from Cottages to Castles of Sanibel and Captiva. Sharon was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she talked about this. In her area, it's, it's a massive shelling area. People go out, they come because they can go onto the beach and they can pick up these amazing shells. So her idea was she went out on the beach, she collected a whole bunch of shells and then she sent one to all of her past guests. And she sent it with a little note that that simply said, may you always have a shell in your pocket and sand in your shoes. Until then, Sanibel will be here waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I just got goosebumps. And that's a handwritten note. And she sent a koozie cup and, and the seashell. And I can imagine, you know, I'm sitting at home, I'm isolating with my kids and I get this in the mail and there's a seashell that you can actually listen to and you can hear the sea. Uh, how, how perfect was that? And people are always asking, how do I stand out? That's how you stand out. No vacation rental professionals are sending these things. If you're the one hospitality company that sends that traveler a little handwritten note or a shell in the downtime, you have won that person's heart. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is so easy. It's being a little bit creative. Not everybody has, I mean, if you can go out and buy a shell, uh, find a shell on a beach, it's a tiny little thing. Uh, So you've got to be a little bit more creative if you don't have those things to hand. You know, uh, we're looking at different ways of of doing this ourselves. And we're trying to think of- Were you going to say a rock? No, I was going to say a mosquito. (laughs) (laughs) Now that would be memorable. Here's a little vial with a live mosquito yes. from your friends. <laughs> yeah, no West Nile virus involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we're tra- just, just trying to you know, pick on something that we, we can send, but it doesn't have to be something physical like that. It could be a video. It could be a, a video of, of something that your guests love you know, in an email message. So yeah. David and Gotti was actually famous for sending envelopes with some pine needles just to evoke that smell of, of the, the forest. And I also love just before we move on, I, I want to include a concept that I've been uh, especially keen on lately. And it's this word provenance. I only recently learned, and I learned it on the Antiques Roadshow. I was going to say, you have to watch the Antiques Roadshow to to get the message of provenance. Yes, and for those who haven't seen the Antiques Roadshow, it's very simply somebody who brings in an object that was up in the attic or in their grandmother's house, and they have an expert in that particular niche uh, explaining the, the lineage, the history of the object itself, you know, it was signed by a particular artist or it has a particular feature that is from a a special moment in time. And provenance is the history of the item. 
a, a pencil that was used to write the Declaration of Independence has tremendous provenance, whereas a pencil that was not is just a pencil. So I would like to encourage people, if they don't want to necessarily spend any money, if they're thinking about how to present themselves using this craft uh, narrative, is go through your website and add provenance to things. Perhaps it's a property. What was the history of the property? How did it come to be? Perhaps it's some decor. Where were these items purchased? Mm -hmm. Was it from a local market? Was it, uh, I'm, I think of Jan Stevens and her home on uh, Bowen Island. Uh, the home itself was originally a fisherman's shack, bought for like several hundred dollars. It's built atop a gigantic slab of stone and it was furnished using all items from around the area. Uh, perhaps it's a staff member or a teammate, somebody who has lived in the area the whole time or has a particularly unique personality. Sharing the details of people, places, and things, I think, is an easy way to channel that provenance, to find it, and that we're all kind of just sitting on it. It just takes a little bit of uncovering, you know? When we started creating our website 17 years ago, we started with every listing, we have some trivia so it's trivia, and I guess that's it. It's trivia related to the area. And we have one of our staff members who does this all the time. You know, as soon as we get a new property, because our properties are in, in quite dis different areas, he's, he's down there looking at what makes this area really, really interesting, what makes it stand out. So every and single- And he, he presents trivia questions to the team? No, he just write on the listings. On the listings, there's a little bit of um, information, which he calls just just calls trivia. Got it. Happens to be my husband who does this, and he is a master of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> but he, and it he, requires uh, finding yeah. unique details, finding aspects that are memorable we, about something. We we had a property in a you know, fairly remote area, and he uncovered that this area had been the site of the very first gold mine in Ontario. Wow. So it, it, there was There's really, a web. Really, really neat. The place. There's you know, a the, website. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the, the, um, the, the place was, uh, it was called Del Oro and nobody had really questioned why this place was called Del Oro, which of course I believe is all gold. <laughs> yeah. Of the gold. <laughs> of the gold. Yes. So, so he, he delved into that puts that on the listing. And of course that makes people interested. You know, they get there and they're, they're sort of going through the, the lake bed. <laughs> right. Where, where's that gold at? Yes. Um, there's a website that I can't remember the name. I'll find it for you to include in the show notes, but somebody did an experiment in which they bought a handful of items off of eBay, just normal objects, you know, little toys, uh, little trinkets. And then they relisted the exact same items individually on eBay, but they added sort of elaborate and I think entirely made up stories about these objects. You know, it, it was originally owned by so-and-so and it was part of this generation of something or other. Uh, and the products sold for on average like six or seven times their initial value, which is to say the only thing that was different was that provenance. And if you have to make it up, <laughs> go for it. I think that that is a that that's such an actionable item for everybody that's listening to this to go and look for provenance, not just for for your property or for the location, but for different things around the place. You know, have you got something? Have you got an item in there that has some 
interesting antique antique value or junk value or whatever you want to call it whatever. but it has a story yeah. and tell that story i love that we're going to have to move on we're going to have to move on because i want to talk about the next part which is um work life balance and i think that's something we forget but what can we do actionable about that matt i do just want to say before it slips my mind that i think that the name finding provenance is a great name for a book Anyway, okay. work life balance. I've got that. Are you writing this one? <laughs> something. Yeah, we can co-op finding provenance. <laughs> work life balance is something that we have. It's almost become cliche. It's something that was supposed to be part of your vacation rental business from the start. We're in the business <laughs> yeah. of vacations. We're in the business of taking care of people who are enjoying themselves. We get to work on our own clock. We get to work in a destination that we think is really beautiful. But sooner rather than later, we end up becoming slaves to the business. And we are answering calls at all hours, and it's not fun anymore. (laughs) We're getting interrupted during certain family engagements, and it's stressful. Uh, We're working so hard because we are entrepreneurial and we have great work ethics that we end up losing sight of that balance that we originally were looking for. And especially in our space where none of us were actually trained for this, and most of us got started without a business plan, which is to say, we didn't actually define what it was we were looking to achieve from this business. Um, So I like to think that this reset is an opportunity to sit down with your spouse, with your teammates, uh, with the people that you lean on for work and draft a new vision for the company and be as detailed as possible. So one side of it is the work side. It's the income. It's the profit. Uh, It's finding a sweet spot. If you're a manager, how many properties do you want to reach while you're still maintaining a certain level of control and craft? It's in some cases defining upper boundaries. A lot of times we say, I want to make at least this much money this year or at least this many bookings this month. But we actually don't say, I don't want to surpass this much. Mm -hmm. And without that upper boundary, without that sort of sweet ceiling, we just kind of endlessly pursue profit or income. And that's a natural tendency, but I've found that it also has a way to dilute the second half of the equation, which is our lives. I think our lives and our lifestyles and the time we get to spend with people that we enjoy and do things that we really love is kind of, is is re-emerging right now as a new uh, premium. I think this pandemic has made a lot of people start to rethink their entire professional trajectories. Why was I working for this big corporation and not getting to spend any time with my family? Why was I working for myself and not getting to spend any time with my family? So defining in the same way that we do with the financial or business side, defining some of those lifestyle factors that are not negotiable. Uh, Bob Gardner, again, I, I always use Bob as an example in this one too, Uh, Because he and his partner, Ian, decided that once or twice a week, I can't quite remember, they don't work. They have go off to do day trips, explore the countryside in Italy. Basically, they're not allowed to work on those days. And 
that takes work. Like yeah. there are days in which there are things that need to be done, but they have to resist the, the urge and stick to their original plan, which was this kind of balance. Uh, so I think really setting forth now and being honest with yourself, in a lot of cases, it's recalibrating. Maybe we're not going to reach that certain financial goal that we had planned uh, pre-COVID. Uh, maybe we would like to substitute some of that for dinner at home every night with our family or spending a couple mornings uh, on the beach or the golf course. I think now is a beautiful time as a small business owner to sit down and really draft out what that dream scenario looks like. How much are you working? How much are you spending time doing non-work stuff? And stick to it. Draw those lines. Some cases, it means hiring people to do certain tasks. That's a new, important investment for you, where it maybe wasn't previously. I think it's just a, a kind of fun time to talk about going on the offense. Now is a time to craft your dream balance, whatever it may be. My example is Lance and Elaine Stitcher at Seaside Vacations in Chincoteague Island and Ocean City, Maryland. They have a great company that has around 130 properties. They have short-term rentals. They have long-term rentals. They achieve life, work-life balance wonderfully. They have a boat and they post regularly that, you know, <laughs> we're going out fishing today and they love to fish. So, I think this just con on on their on their Facebook page. They are posting this. They're posting that they're doing this and they're fishing. They're shopping. They're they just happen to be checking on one of their properties and they're just going to go out on the dock and sit for ten minutes. So they are achieving this, and it, it's just worthwhile finding these people who are doing it, like Bob, like Lance and Elaine, and just following them because this is this is not rocket science. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that they're. We are to a golden age of small business creators, people like Bob and Ian, Elaine and Lance. I see those photos of theirs on Facebook too. I'm like, I want to be on that boat. <laughs> uh, this is a new kind of rich. And that may sound cliche, but I the venture capital backed CEOs pulling their hair out right now. I see the large organizations projecting the next year, two, five years, and they're terribly stressed. It's not to say that people like Lance and Elaine aren't stressed, but they have found a much more realistic and anti-fragile model that is able to sustain these kinds of shocks, that it's able to sustain these kinds of market corrections way more reliably uh -huh. than a gigantic, unstable entity. And I, I just think that that's a very exciting time to be a small business owner because it's not completely out of your reach. If you think about it, you really only need X amount of properties to generate X amount of bookings, to generate X amount of income to be enough. And this is big. It goes back to your comment about get rich quick. There's no getting rich in this <laughs> industry, at least that I'm aware of. You need to make enough. Mm -hmm. And whatever that is, it may be more for some people than it is for others to live the lifestyle that you want, but also to be able to do all of these other things that just don't have a price tag on them. And for Lance and Elaine, uh, instead of trying to get quote unquote rich and one day retire and buy a boat so that they can spend their days on it, they've actually woven that element into their daily routine. And that to me is just a, a beautiful, beautiful, aspirational kind of thing.
Yeah, I'm working towards that. And it's, it's interesting, you know, because so often we use that expression, I don't have the time. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to exercise or go out for a walk or whatever. Actually, if you just build that in, it just becomes part of the routine anyway. But I, I love that actionable point is take that opportunity to sit down with family, staff. And I think I'm going to do that with all our furloughed staff because we do still meet every week on a Tuesday. And we have this great hour where we just talk about everything but work and perhaps use that as an opportunity to, um, to look ahead and see where we're going uh, and come out of this in, in a, with a much better framework for work-life balance for everybody. So thanks for that. Let's move to automation because, yeah, I just want to get to this. In in your newsletter, you talked about something that Nancy McAleer has done. Nancy, I mentioned over and over and over again on this podcast and hoping to have her on again shortly because she, she has such a fantastic grasp on uh, the relationship building and communication with with guests and doing it in ways that can be automated. So have, have a talk through about what your take on automation is. I'm going to start at the end, work my way back here, because I think the moment people hear automation or technology, they sometimes begin to zone out. I want to start at the end, and that is identifying the aspects of your business that you refuse to replace with technology. Um, For some people, this is manually answering every single email um, and answering the questions in those emails on a one-by-one basis, not using a template, not using an autoresponder. For other people, that is in-person check-ins. That's going to have to be rethought a little bit now with the, the pandemic and people not wanting your germs near them. Uh, but that's still a, a commitment that you can make to giving some kind of personal presence uh, when the guest checks in. Uh, another example, little gifts, choosing what the right gift is for any particular guest. Amy and Linda, great vacation retreats in Kauai. We featured them on the first episode of Sense of Place. They have four or five gift packages that they uh, more or less choose from when a guest is coming in. One is the adventurer, athletic, outdoor, nature lover. One is the romantic. One is the family. So they have kind of templated gifts. And that's kind of an automation, uh, but it still requires a little bit of judgment there. Whatever these aspects of your business are that you believe should not and will not be replaced by technology, that should be written at the very top. And those are the most important things that we need to focus on doing manually. And that could be anything for you. It's what your instinct suggests. Once you've got those up on the wall, you can begin to list the other activities that are maybe not so importantly done by a human, maybe are take longer than they should. Maybe you enjoy it less. Certain things like a guest nurture sequence, a great example that you mentioned from Nancy. This is a four-part email sequence that Nancy has pre-written. It does have a little bit of customization using merge fields. Pretty much any email marketing platform has that functionality uh, so that it says, hi, Heather, as opposed to just hi. Uh, And it 
sort of walks them through in the days leading up to their booking, the important information that they need to know, not all at once, not in an overwhelming, gigantic essay email, but little chunks that she has determined are the best uh, speed and pace of information. And the fourth step of it is actually Nancy calling the guest when they have arrived because Nancy doesn't actually live in Anna Maria Island. She calls them and she says that that call endears them to her. Uh, It increases trust. It builds repeat bookings because a guest that came through Airbnb or through VRBO that actually has a chance to talk to you on the telephone feels like you're actually now a human. And so that might be one of those items that Nancy refuses to automate. But that's a perfect example of taking this downtime to find activities that can be replaced by technology. And now is when I sort of lift the curtain on this incredible world of tools and services that we now have at our disposal as vacation rental professionals. Uh, When I started, certainly, we did not have any of these tools. So we've now got welcome books. We've got uh, property management softwares. We've got sweet, smart concierge apps. We've got all of these different things that can automate tasks that are redundant or menial. And this is where I recommend that you experiment with as many as possible. There's a couple genres that you want to be aware of before you just start demoing anything and everything that comes across your desk. It's also a great idea to talk with your fellow owners and managers. Are they using what's working well for them? Uh, There's no one size fits all tool that does everything by any means. Um, But it really is impossible to build a sustainable vacation rental business of the future without a heavy dose of this tech as kind of the engine that's driving your car and allowing you to do the things that you have prioritized Mm -hmm. uh, that we discussed earlier. Yeah. And it could be, and I I cannot remember who I was talking to about this. It might've been Antonio Bortolotti and he was, he was talking about how he automated, you know, a guest arriving at his gate and the gates opening and the door unlocking and that sort of thing. But it can be as simple as setting somebody something up so when somebody walks in the door, the lights come on. Love that. And, and maybe some music playing. I've always been the, the great proponent of having music playing when somebody walks in the door. And we in my own properties, because this is difficult, this is difficult to scale, but in, in our own properties, we used to find out from our guests what music genre they liked. Somehow we'd get through, you know, we, in a discussion, we find out if they like country or classical or, or jazz. And we would set the music. So when they walked in the, I mean, this is, this is going back in the old days of CDs and we would have a CD going on a loop, which would um, be playing their type of music as they walked in the door. You were ahead of the game. I love that. I'll bet you that some of these smart home automation um, tools can pull off something like that. Oh, sure. I know Point so Central much easier works now. with a smart <laughs> thermostat, and I guarantee, yeah, I'm sure they could tap into the the music. I love that. Does that mean that you stopped doing? Oh, well, we sold the properties, so so weren't doing it individually because, as I say, that that's that's difficult to scale when you're doing it as we were doing it manually. So as the cleaner left the property, that was the last thing on her list was to set the music and decide what DVD CD she was going to put in. 
So that's an, a, a perfect example of an activity which an owner manager listening to this gets to decide, do we think this is awesome as the guests do? And do we want to continue doing this moving forward, even though it's going to be cost a little bit more or take the cleaning staff a little bit more training? If that is something that you decide you're not going to be wavering on, that you want that to be part of your unique experience, uh, now is also a good time to change the processes for your cleaning staff. Uh, now's a good time to work that kind of task into your standard operating procedure. I wanted to give one last example of when this uh, backfires, uh, this automation thing. Uh, Guglielmo Scarpa. I, I've, I, I laugh when I say his name because I've said it wrong so many times over the years that I finally kind of say it right. He is based in Italy. And his vacation rentals are all very spread out. They're all very high end. And he realized that he wanted a smart lock technology. So he purchased a, a smart lock system. Uh, he installed them in the doors. And it was just a complete nightmare. Based on the way that the doors were built in Italy, they, they weren't working properly based on uh, internet outages and all kinds of things. It was just a complete mess. And Guglielmo had sort of a reckoning in which he's like, okay, this is actually a facet of our business that should be done manually. This is something that we are willing to spend more time on in order to get it right, to form that relationship with the guest upon arrival so that they're not freaked out trying to get into this broken smart lock system. However, and this is the twist, he wasn't able with his small staff to go out and do every single one of these check-ins. Mm -hmm. So he reached out to property managers in those regions. And he said, hey, when we have a check-in in this area, would you be open to doing the check-in for us? We'd love to compensate you however you think is fair. We'd also be happy to do some of your check-ins if they're here in the city. And it was overwhelmingly positive uh, responses. He formed these amazing alliances with property managers out there in the rural countryside. And for me, that was just like a full circle of the right idea of automating something that's otherwise uh, not working manually, then realizing the technology doesn't work and coming back to doing it human with another company that works mm -hmm. well. I think that kind of creative thinking is required at this kind of moment. I, I think so. So uh, you know, those of you, I mean, if you're home automation out there and, and you're listening into this, there's, there's some really good, uh, some ideas coming out of this conversation. I'm now spinning on the uh, the whole idea of setting the music <laughs> to, to the I'm guest. not going to let you, I'm not letting that go, Heather. You <laughs> to are guest gonna... preference because, <laughs> you know, we, we did it manually and we were able to do that. And this is so much, must be so easy now to do it through a home automation platform. The only time I've ever experienced the vacation rental that it did that was called El Otro Lado. It was in Portobello, Panama. And I walked into this little bungalow right on the beach and it had the coolest music playing. And I was just blown away. It, it is astonishing. I, I mean, I, this, this was not my idea. It was when we first came out to Canada way back in 1998 or whatever and um, met up with a property manager. And I walked in the door of this, this home she was showing me and the music was playing and it was, oh my gosh, this is so welcoming. I feel uplifted. So yes. Yeah. Don't let me forget this one. Hey, we no, are, no, I not. can't believe we're coming up to 50 
odd minutes now. So I, I guess we should be wrapping this up. We need to get together again. I wanted to talk today about travel shaming and company shaming, but I, I'm not sure if we've got the time for that because I actually think it needs more of a discussion. Perhaps we could reconvene in a, in a week or two and just see how this is going because I think this is not something that's going to go away. So I would like to say to people who are listening, if, if you're interested in that topic of travel and company shaming, which is is it's a very uncomfortable thing that's happening around, certainly through Canada, certainly through the US. Uh, I'd like to hear from you and and hear for uh, hear your experiences of that. And maybe Matt and I will reconvene in a couple of weeks to talk about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, if there um, want some great reading, there's a fantastic opinion article by Tim Cafferty called Loss of Civility in Tourism Towns that we just published on The Reset. And it's just that it's addressing a very real thing that we need to solve. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the heart of that at the moment, you know, two hours north of Toronto in our cottage country. And, and it's tough. We're dealing with, uh, with homeowners who uh, up here, residents who don't want the cottage owners here, but the cottage owners are the ones that, that create the income for the companies that need to be open in July and August. Because if they don't get that income, they're going to die. So anyhow, um, we will, we'll, I'll talk to Tim actually about this. Maybe we could bring Tim in on the conversation as well. That would be really great. Okay. Matt, as ever, just an amazing conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me and stay safe. Yes, you too. And to all of listeners, now is your time. There has never been an opportunity quite like this for a small vacation rental business owner to build a vision for the future and thrive. Now is the moment. And that's a great point to end. So thanks, Matt. Hey, that was fun. fantastic. Thank you. As ever, tremendous conversation with Matt. Matt's so insightful and so immersed in this industry that just about everything he says, I, I agree with just 100%. There were so many other things I would have liked to have bring brought up in that conversation. So I'm thinking that we will come back to it in, in a week or two and reconvene. And I really do want to talk about travel shaming and company shaming because I'm so uncomfortable about what's going on out there in both these terms. But then they're two very different things. The company shaming, I've been looking at what's happening with Sykes Holiday Cottages in, in the UK and the way they are having to deal with multitude of complaints and a specific Facebook page that is directing so much animosity towards them for not for their for their refund process, and I understand where Sykes are coming from. They operate on a different systems to to the way we do. I mean, when we take. Uh, money in from our from our guests, it goes into a trust account. It has to go into an escrow account. We don't touch it until the guests go on vacation. So refunding our guests for vacations they can't take has not hit our bottom line. We've never had that money. It's sat in that account and it just goes straight back to them. And then we can then rebook, which is what we've been doing, which is what I mentioned earlier. And 
actually didn't mention that earlier, but I mentioned it on our on our Zoom call yesterday or last week. So, but the thing with Sykes is that they've you know they've got their money in from the guests, then they paid out their owners before the vacation starts. So now with all the refund requests, they've now got to go back to the owners and ask for that money back. So it's it's a much more involved process, but really, really tough to explain that to guests. All guests are concerned about is that, you know, I can't take this vacation. I don't want to take it in the same property within the next year and maybe at a, at a, at a higher price because I'm going to go at a different time. It's tough to explain that to them. Um, so I do have some sympathy with Sykes. Anyhow, we will come back to that. We will look relook at that at that whole issue about company shaming, but also to talk about travel shaming. Um, what I mean by that is uh, local people in vacation areas, mainly in destination areas, who are not happy with the influx of tourism. They don't want people coming in from out of state or in our case, you know, just, just driving two hours north of Toronto. They don't want people coming who may bring the virus with them. And, and this is a difficult one. I'll put a link to Tim Cafferty's article for you to take a look at, and, uh, and we'll reconvene with Matt at a later date with Tim Cafferty, we hope, and, uh, and discuss this in, in greater detail. So for now, I want to thank you for being with me again. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I know you guys are all sitting at home. Hopefully you're doing all this work. I can't believe that we are so much busier at the moment. I'm so much busier at the moment than I normally am because we are... We have so many of these projects on on the go. I'd love to hear what you're doing. Uh, Email me at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. I would love to hear from you. Go onto the Facebook group at the Business of Short-Term Rental and Property Management and share, contribute, just lurk, whatever you'd like to do. But we'd love to have you there. So looking forward to being back with you again at another time, which is probably next week. Uh, So for now, thank you. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.